0: Developing Tomorrow's Leaders is a podcast that is all about educating, supporting, and inspiring the next generation of leaders. Pre-teens and teens face many challenges that can and will affect their futures. They need a village of supporters that can guide, direct, and lead them on that path to success. Your host, Coach T, has over 35 years' experience of educating supporting inspiring and enhancing
1: the lives of many young men and women join coach t and his village of inspiration our guest today is the coo of the boys and girls club of metro richmond Uh, before that he was a vice president of the boys and girls club of uh, metro richmond and before that the recreation coordinator at the city of chesapeake and just the recreation supervisor and superintendent for the city of sulpoc but more importantly than that i had the absolute pleasure of coaching this guy oh 30 some years ago yeah it might be right about 30 years ago uh be sure we right before we went on air how old he is like yeah that's that's old uh (laughs) but i would hope like you to help me welcome sean miller to developing tomorrow's leaders how you doing sean
0: I'm doing great. How you doing,
1: Coach? I am doing fabulous, man. It's it's uh, so excited. This is the first time we've talked to each other or seen each other um, since you know your our years, I guess, with uh, Richmond Metro AAU. And one of the first things I want to say is after I saw you on LinkedIn and saw what you were doing, I'm like, man, it doesn't surprise me at all to see you work with the Boys and Girls Club. And, and to be the COO, it's, it's just an absolute pleasure for me to see the man you've grown into, but also turn around and giving back to the community in the way that you have.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it. And uh, as we talked about before we jumped on, um, just, just really appreciate the guidance that you gave me as a, I think it was what, 13, 14 and 14 under something. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just
0: appreciate you for being part of my
1: journey. Yeah. Well, I can also tell you, I hope somebody else is listening here. You shouldn't have been playing for me. You should have been playing for the gold team, but I didn't have that call <laughs> though. So I was, I was happy to have you between hey, you, Gerald Burr and, and RJ Spellsburg. I'm happy to have you. I need to call
0: you when I talk to those two guys. I always tell them I was the best guard on that team. So. There you go.
1: <laughs> there you go. Hey, you got my vote. You got my vote. Um, well, I would love for you to tell me really what, what what happened with you, obviously, after high school. I know you did some coaching in high school as well, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, so um, after high school, I
0: actually had a basketball scholarship to Virginia State University um, here in Virginia. Uh and, and I always tell this story. I had a, had a full ride, had a scholarship. And you'll remember Coach Dean at um, yes. Virginia State. It was his last year of coaching was my freshman year. So he coached me that, that my first year, which was his, was his last year. Um, he ended up leaving um, after that. But I got to tell you, man, my second semester, and I was a 3.2, 3.3 student in high school, honor society and all of that. I had a point zero eight coach. Um, what? I had a point zero eight GPA. Uh, and, and we got a new coach. And, and the deal that we had made is what was that if I became eligible um, and I had to take four classes, I think, and I had to get all A's in those classes in the summer. So summer school is hard anyway, but I had to get four right. A's. I actually did it. <laughs> I actually what? got all of the A's. Uh, He ended up giving me a partial scholarship back. That wasn't really our deal, but I ended up transferring to Christopher Newport, played there for a year and a half. Um, And then, you know, had started a family in that process as well, but ended up moving back home to Richmond and had flirted with playing some more college ball. But at that point it was all about working and finishing school. Um, was lucky to be able to go back to my alma mater at Huguenot High School and coach the uh, JV boys, the freshman boys, assistant on the varsity with um, Coach Jones. And I also had an opportunity to coach a uh, quarterfinalist. Uh, I think we may have been a semifinalist, state semifinalist girls uh, high school basketball team at Huguenot with Bo Jones Jr. So yeah. it kind of came full circle for
1: me. No, that is crazy. You know what's interesting about you saying that? I was just on the phone. My um niece's um, boyfriend is from Richmond, and he and I were just two days ago had this whole conversation talking about Harold Dean. Yep, because he went to school there, and then I started to say, "You know, his son played uh, at UVA." He like, what? I'm like, yeah, you didn't know that Harold Dean? Yeah, he sure did. But that's um. And I'm glad you mentioned they still have freshman ball in Richmond. They still do that? Is it just J.B. Um, now? Because I know it was when I was coaching there, too.
0: You know, so I think I started coaching. It was 97. I think that's when they just started it in the city school. So I, I don't think George Webb had a freshman team, but I know okay. Hugh and I did, and I know all of the county schools did. You know, I'm not sure what they have now, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I've been away from it for a couple of years.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny, it was, as I, I'm ha- having this conversation with you and, and RJ's uh, uh, coach uh, Spelsberg from Monica is going to yeah. be on here uh, next month, okay. and I, and I stay in touch with you know he and uh, Junior Burr. But I'm looking at you, and I'm and I think about R.J. and I think about Gerald. I'm like, man, if we were to a B team, that A team must have been you know, because I knew you guys were some talented young men. I'm I know I very fortunate to have the opportunity to coach you. And because watching you in high school, I'm like, man, these guys are good. And then I get to hand pick you to be on, you know, to get to coach you. It's it's a true testament. Uh, So really, the next part is what I think is the most important reason. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is what got you on this path to where you are now with the Boys and Girls Club of Metro Richmond?
0: You know, um, and this is not just because I'm on with you, but you're one of the uh, cogs of my journey. Um, Coach Bo Jones was my high school coach. And I had a lot of good recreation coaches as well. Coach Coffey, Coach Irby. Um, I I had a ton of them and they were really, really good. And I can remember uh, Coach Booker and Coach Jones being referees back in the day as well. Whenever we were playing a little league ball, Um, Coach Lancaster. So, you know, even not just looking at the coaches, but I had a principal. I had a male principal uh, in elementary school, Mr. Dillard. Um, Mr. William Carr and Brad Fellows in middle school, uh, Mr. Stevens and Mr. Marchant or Dr. Marchant in high school. So I always had male role models around. And quite frankly, I knew that I wanted to do a couple things. I wanted to either, I wanted to be a principal. I wanted to teach and I wanted to coach. And I tried my hand at teaching. I didn't really like it. Um, (laughs) That kind of took me out of the, (laughs) for teaching in a school setting, right, rather. Um, So teaching, I did that for a little bit. Uh, I also worked in group homes and and have have done a ton of things with mentoring youth as well. Uh, But I got to tell you, it's Coach Busters of the world. It's you and, and other guys that just set the tone for me as a young man to aspire to be something and understanding that I could do it. Now, that's also something that quieted some of the other noise that was taking place. Um, I mean, you know, you know how it was growing up in Richmond back then. Um, But you could have either went left, you could have went right. And sometimes you just got to go straight down the middle and try to avoid changes. And quite frankly, I just had a system around me that was strong enough to keep me on the right path. Love me up when I needed to and give me a swift kick in the butt when I needed that as well. Um, so kind of us talking about our, <laughs> yeah. uh, what we had, the issue we had, right. I was about 14 to 15. I mean, right. that was just one of those moments. Um, But at the same time, it was really me taking a look at the the men that were in my life at that time, but also my parents played a huge role as well. Um, sure. They were very supportive. You know, my grandfather was a man's man. He built houses, He he drove trucks, and I can just remember going to the bank with him one day and he signed an X by his name because he couldn't write. And I'm asking him as a 10 year old, I believe. I was like, look, why did you do that? He's like, look, I can't write, but I can count money. I can build cars. I can build houses. And that was something that always stuck with me. So, hey, I am 10 years old and doing a deposit slip um, as well. But the big piece about it is as I grew up and started meeting a lot of guys from other areas as well, um, it was just one of those things I wanted to give back what I had. I wanted to pay it forward. You know, be it through coaching, uh, I'll actually referee for a little while. um, But all of those things just allow me to give back to the game that gave so much to me. And even more so than that, it allows me in this position now, we see thousands of kids a year. I've seen thousands of kids a year um, through the last 20 years. So that might be 20,000 kids I've had some kind of impact with right? And, and out of that 20,000, some of them are now coaches. Some of them are now teachers. Some of them are now paying it forward. And it's just one of those things that's been infectious and it's been passed along as far as that's concerned.
1: All of that is all about foundation. And you had a phenomenal foundation based on all the male figures that role models you've had in your life. Figures, I should say, not really more role models. Like you said, love you up and kick you in the butt when you need it. That John is where we are as a society with young people now. And I know from where, from my perspective, and I know you do it on a daily basis is you see the impact of the tough love. And I've always, I I preach a lot about kids. We know that they want to be the best they can be, but they also, like you were saying too, is there are three ways you can go right, left or right down the middle. You know, you can go to right, you know, go far right, far left or down the middle. And it's guidance, leadership, and direction is what they're looking for. And that's what you provide where you are. I mean, you're overseeing, and you said over 20,000 kids. I mean, I can only imagine. And I'm thinking I'm a couple thousand, so good Lord Almighty. I may <laughs> have more coaching experience than you, but you've impacted more people. And that's why I think it just speaks volumes to what you do. Um, what would you say would be, if you had to pick one challenge that you have in the position that you're in now, what would you say it is?
0: That's a good question. You know, um, and we talk about this quite a bit. I've changed as a leader and how I engage with my team and also with kids, even my own kids. Right. So the biggest challenge that I'm facing today, I'm a little gray. So you can see a little bit of gray. (laughs) Um, But I think as an adult, the challenge that a lot of adults face and I will just own it for me is that I've, I've tried to raise my kids for a world that no longer exists. So the world that I grew up in, the world that you grew up in, and you're a little older than me, um, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) I take a look at it. That world doesn't exist. The world has changed. How you engage with kids is different now. You know, I mean, these phones that we have, you literally have a computer in your pocket at all times. You have access to so much. We didn't have that. So I liken it to saying that, you know, a lot of our kids today, they can't walk and chew gum at the same time but their thumbs are strong as all day. But I think it's, it's ba- actually, I think it's balancing the, the tough love piece of it. Um, a lot of the families and kids that we deal with, they're in survival mode. So when it comes to us engaging with them, my, my default is tough. My default is hard but at the end of the day, they already are dealing with so many other things before they get to us. I don't need to add to it. I need to be a source of comfort. I need to be a listening ear. And the big part about it is is this is a little different than whenever we were younger, but kids have a voice. We didn't have voices in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties. We just didn't, but, you know, kids have voices. So it's listening to the kids. It's it's now adapting to the world that exists now and understanding that however old you are, if you have a child, that world no longer exists. You have to adjust your game plan. You have to get some different skill sets and toolboxes, um, tools in your box as far as that's concerned. So that's one yeah. big thing.
1: Yeah. You know, would you say that you, you, about these kids being smarter and about their thumbs being strong, I give you a quick funny story. You appreciate this. this happened two years ago. So, you know, all the apps that come out and, you know, me, like you said, I'm a little bit older than you are. So, yeah, I'm a little out of touch. And, you know, my wife keeps me on top of everything that's going on. And now actually she's starting to do more instead of teaching me how to do it. Because I'm like, I ain't got the time. I'm, I don't have time. So I'm working out this girl. We're, we just finished a clinic and she's ready to go. And she goes, yeah, well, I'll send you a, I'll send you a message on Snapchat. I said, girl, I ain't got no Snapchat. <laughs> you know what she says to me, Coach, give me give me your phone. Two minutes later, I got a Snapchat account. You got a Snapchat. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm scared of Instagram. So it was all good. <laughs> but I was like, but I walked away that day going, I learned something. It, it wasn't the act, you know, what she did. It was the thinking part. And it goes to your point about, you know, it's not the era in which we grew up. And we have to acclimate ourselves to the life that they're living as well as teaching him, you know, that tough love. I think we have to dial it back some, but it still can be tough. Correct. But we have to dial it back. And, you know, obviously you kind of aware of kind of how our coach minus the one situation we about. Uh, <laughs> it, it's about, and, and that's how I still do it, tough love. But it's all about how I do it. It gets results, but at the same time, it helps build relationships and rapport with kids. And then they know that besides their parents, like the examples you were giving about the the kids and the families that they're probably their households are just surviving, thriving and surviving. They know that when they come there, they're going to have a sense of comfort. They know that you listen without judging. So they know they can share if they need to. And to me, that's for, is what's really gotten me to where I am is I've been able to connect with kids because they know I'm not going to judge them based on what they say.
0: Yeah, and I think the, another big part is us beginning to partner with the families um, is really something different that we're doing. So for years, we've, as we've worked with kids from six to 18. And I'm talking from what's that first grade all the way up to um, 12th grade or graduation. And now we're trying to shift, we're shifting the model a little bit. We're engaging more with, middle school and high school, because the elementary school, there are a lot of organizations in the elementary school space. It shrinks when you get to middle school, it's almost non-existent in high school, and it's almost more non-existent when you get to post high school. So we've kind of scaled back on the elementary age, but we've increased our footprint in middle school and high school and also our alumni. So as kids are 18 or 19 to 24, or 25, and they need that place to go back and rejuvenate themselves or they need to network or they just need somewhere they can go to to talk about life. You know, we're actually doing a lot of those things with our alumni as well. So staying with our kids and you know, I'm calling them kids, but I have
1: right. I have
0: boys and girls club members that see me now. And I used to coach. So we had basketball games, but they'll say, hey, what's up, Mr. Miller? Hey, how you doing? But one big piece about it is I've had a couple of kids that say, look, you had my best interest at heart. I wish I would have listened earlier. I wish I would have listened then. But at the same point in time, it's never too late. And I'm so proud of many of the kids that we've served over the years.
1: Uh, while you're talking about that, the kids you serve, can you share with us really, what's the what's the extent of the clientele with the Boys and Girls Club? I mean, does it reach right outside the city limits like Chesterfield? and?
0: Yeah, so we have five locations, six locations overall, uh, five in the city of Richmond limits. Um, but we also pull kids from Henrico County um, into our program as well. We also have a location in Petersburg also. Um, so between those two locations, we have a handful of Chesterfield families. It's all about where you live at and your access to be able to get to our program. Um, Doing right. the school, after the school day, it's kind of hard if you live on the outskirts to get in. But if a parent can get, you know, get their child to us, we, we will serve them and we will yeah. welcome them with open arms. Um, summertime is when we start to get a lot of mixture from the different areas.
1: And what are your what's your summer programming like uh, for the Boys and Girls Club? But I know it's big.
0: Yeah. So we, um we're actually torn around with a couple of different models. So historically we've had five days a week, almost 12 hours a day, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day during COVID we did some stuff different. So March, what in March, 2020, when everything hit um, we kind of adjusted our model and we started working with a smaller number of kids. And I got to tell you, we had a smaller number of kids, but we had more depth. We knew, we knew more. Um, one of my staff or one of my team members said, we went from the front desk in terms of our relationship and conversation with the parent. You went from the front desk to the dinner table and right. just knowing what's taking place inside of the house, what's going on with the kids and things of that nature. So the relationships that we formed with our families kind of exploded during COVID. And those are some things that we're looking at doing. So this summer, we're toying around with the idea of looking at some uh, academy type models. So I'm sitting in one of our, uh, our new teen center here in Richmond. I'm in our podcast room now. So we may have a podcasting camp we may have a fine arts camp or a digital arts camp. So we're toying around with a lot of those things and not as much as being here all day, as much as like, look, if you are interested in this area, come and learn. Yeah, You know, let's do videography, let's do photography, let's do all of those things um, that we have. We're talking about some stuff with workforce development as far as entrepreneurism is concerned. Um, We've got some talented kids, they have some dreams. And more so than I feel like my generation, well, I just speak for myself, our kids today, they don't want to work for anybody. I don't think anything's wrong with that. You know, at the end of the day, I just don't think anything's wrong with it. And I think it takes a, a fair amount of bravery. But I got to tell you, these kids are 14, 15, and they're creating clothing lines. They're creating lipsticks and chapsticks and candles and T-shirts. I mean, the kids are really, really dynamic and they have some big dreams, um, this new phase of, of e-gaming or e-sports, you know, I'm behind the eight ball on it, but but the, that's something that the kids do. Who knew that you could get paid playing video games? Right. But, but even now is more so the conversations that we're having is don't be an end user. What about if you create a video game? What if you become a programmer? Um, like I said, I'm in a podcast room. We have a lot of folks that want to be on camera. They want to be behind the microphone. I always sell people, be it music, podcasts, and whatever. If you're the engineer, if you're doing the writing, if you're doing all of those other things, you probably have a longer shelf life in terms of your career doing that rather than being the on air talent. No different than music. Songwriting is
1: where, and music production is where the money is. The performer. Right. Is not- not as much. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I, I love your analogy about the, you know, there's nothing wrong with it because I've had to shift my mindset there because initially I was like, well, what if the internet went down tomorrow and, you, and everything you did was online? Yeah. What are you falling back on? So I think to your point, I think it's what I share with them. It's okay. Hey, they dream big. If that's what you want, go get it. But at the same time, you had to realize you need to have more than one set of tools and skills. You, know, you got to have multiple skills. I mean, I know for me, I've had, uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to dabble in different things and be successful in each, but at the same time, I don't get overly burnt out because I have other skills. Right. And if you get too locked into something like, well, this is all I know. I got to stick with this. This is what I got to do. And and I think that uh, you're right. As a matter of fact, uh, I was actually invited to be a sponsor uh, or I should say an advisor for a group of high school kids that were, you ready for this one? They're developing apps. Okay. And these are sophomores. And I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah. what? And first thing I'm thinking, and it turns out one of the kids is a uh, basketball player that I work with. And I started talking about an app that I wanted to do. He goes, oh, yeah, coach, I can design that for you. And then here I mean, I'm i sitting here thinking about how much it's going to cost me to have an app developed. And I sit with him for 30 minutes and he gives me, lays a blueprint out of how he could do it. And he goes, oh, yeah, I can have that done for you in a month. Easy. It's easy for him, right?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah but but
0: that's a that's a stream of revenue or income that he can have forever. Yeah, I mean yeah it's, it's just amazing. Like again, that world did not exist in the 80s and the 90s. It just did no. not exist. You would have had you would not have had a kid to do that type of thing in the 80s or 90s. You know, just think about the evolution. The kids our age, our generation have gone from cutting grass to now developing apps.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, you know, I just had uh, my brother on last week. He's uh, He has a, a doctorate in education, and he he basically gave me an education on education. And this conversation we're having right now, I wish I had mentioned this last week because it adds another whole layer. So when we talk about these kids that are, are struggling in school, well, based on what the knowledge I learned last week about the school, this education system as a whole here in this country, it's not designed to put these kids in a position to shoot for the stars. It's designed to keep them in a bubble so that they only learn uh, what, they, what they want them to learn. But yet here we are having a conversation about kids to have a, that aspire to be more than what they're being taught in school. So that in itself would make me rebel if I know I want more, but you won't give me more. And what you're trying to teach me, I already know because I can know. just go to the internet and and I can give you the lesson plan you're going to give me next week because I know where you're getting it from. Exactly. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. And I think the other part about it is, is that, you know, as far as education, the system is what the system is. It needs to be changed. I'm a proponent of change um, as far as the education system is concerned, um, but we need to teach real skills. We need to, kids know how to balance a checkbook. So in our age, it was balancing a checkbook. You need to learn how to read PL sheets. You need to be able to understand good credit, bad credit, debts, all of those things. You need to understand taxes. My my daughter's a teacher, and I gotta tell you, she went from being a, a long-term sub to a permanent teacher, and her check didn't look the same. And I was like, look, you're a salaried employee now. That is now yeah. spread out over X number of pay periods. She got it, but then she was like, Who is FICA? (laughs) (laughs) It's just those little things, you know. At the end of the day, if you make $10 an hour, you make $10 an hour. But as an adult, we know that X percent is going here, X percent goes here. $10, $10. So, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is that, you know, I think we need to make a shift. um, And we need to, we probably should have shifted 20 years ago, quite frankly. But, you know, we need to shift into the digital age. We need to understand what type of jobs or what type of opportunities, uh, wait for our kids. And we've got to close the the gap, the, the wealth gap or the the income gap, um, especially for minorities and, and people of color across the country. Um, but there's a, there's a huge gap. There's a huge divide that we got to figure out how to, how to close that gap.
1: Okay. Yeah. And I think that that's, uh, it is, it's been an uphill battle and I think it'll continue to be Sean. but I think for between what you're doing and some of the other guests I've had on who have uh, big hearts and, and big dreams for these kids, you, you're going to help get them to see the bigger picture and prepare them. And that's what this is all about, is preparing them to be the leaders of tomorrow and following right. their dreams. And, and our job is to give them what they need, and that's the tools, and they can build the success that they want to have. Um, I think that that's the biggest part Um, well uh, we actually kind of tapped in our time which is kind of crazy but uh, this is I definitely want to have you back on because I know there's more we could talk about and and matter of fact I think I'm going to bring like all three you guys on one time we go for like an hour (laughs) I think we just just reminisce for a little bit because I enjoy it and this has been an absolute pleasure but can you share with our listeners kind of how they could get in touch with you find out more about the Boys and Girls Club of Metro Richmond
0: Absolutely. We are on the Internet and also on uh, different uh, social media platforms. But Boys and Girls Clubs of Metro Richmond, uh, our website is www.bgcmr.org. So that's our platform. And uh, a lot of our information is there that you can reach out to us. Uh, become a supporter or just get some information about our programs.
1: Well, I will just say before we go, uh, Sean, to, to reconnect with you after all these years, uh, this is what I always talk about why it's so important for coaches to have a great relationship with their players because you never know when that circle is going to come back or when it's going to come back full circle. And this is a perfect example of that. You know, 30 years later, here you and I have a conversation. We're both on the same path to have the same mission. And it started when you were 13 or 14 years old. And when I was in like my throat, 24, 25 years old. And here I am closing in on, you know, 40. Um, 40 again. Put it a second time. But no, it's a testament. And it, personally, I'm super proud of what you've done and what you've accomplished. And um, you should be, I know you're proud of yourself, but uh, from my perspective, super uh, proud of you. And I just want to make sure you knew that.
0: I appreciate you. Thank you. Love you. Uh and, and the bottom line is that you had a you had a tremendous impact on on a lot of guys. I'm um, just thinking yeah. about Junior and, and RJ and uh, several other guys we had. I mean, Junior's a business owner, RJ's an educator, right. coach. I'm doing my stuff with the community in terms of kids as well. So, you know, we, we had some good kids around us, um, but we all had good foundations. And some of us that didn't, we got supplements. You know, our foundations right. were supplemented by people that could help us as well so i appreciate you for your time and and
1: and you know dealing with me and not fussing at me too (laughs) that's all good (laughs) hey listen so we talked before before we go i am going to share what you know just briefly before we came on uh air i actually uh Extended an apology to Sean because there's something that happened 30 years ago that stuck with me, and it's one of those things that you don't send in an email. It's not something you say over the phone. It's something you say eye to eye, and it was. I call it one of my coaching low moments, probably the only one that I can recall because I think it's probably worse. That's why I can recall it. But when I saw his name, I knew it was going to be on. I knew it was something I was going to do, and that was to extend an apology to him. And the reason I point that out is it's in my character, but it's also in his. Because, you know, we had a similar situation after sharing it with him. But at the same time, he understood where I was coming from. But, you know, obviously uh, he accepted my apology. But I think the important part is make a mistake. You admit it. You make amends when you can and you move on. I was just talking about this before. So that's another reason I brought that up, Sean, because you got to admit mistakes that you make because it's important. It's easier to move on when you do those. So I just want to make sure I said that again, too. Well, I'm Coach T. And as always, I'm here to educate, support, and inspire the next generation of leaders. Until we speak again, take care.
0: If you have a preteen or teen that is in need of guidance and direction in their personal growth and development and or personal relationship development, Coach T is the one that can make it happen. Go to CoachTsCorner.com to
1: get started.